Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everybody. I am Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. You can find us at lifeovercoffee.com. We have thousands of free resources on all things pertaining to life and godliness. Please head over there and check them out. Did you know that a wife can unwittingly motivate her husband to continue in his passivity? She can. If she does not understand the dynamics of his heart, the shaping influences that have brought him to this marriage, and the habitual ways that he has of responding to social challenges, she may be unable to cooperate with the Lord in restoring him to the leadership role that God has called him to. Now, I am not saying at all, and I know that our audience, they already understand this, but perchance this podcast or video can go out to someone that's not familiar with Life Over Coffee, you already know that the wife is absolutely 100% not responsible for her husband's sin. It is his sin and his alone, and he must repent. He must stand before God. But it would be intellectually dishonest to say that another individual cannot complicate what is happening to the person who is sinning. I mean, I'm a living illustration of that. My father sinned greatly against me, but I would be dishonest to stand before the Lord or to try to convince you that I didn't do anything to complicate matters. I'm not the cause of his sin, but I most definitely complicated the situation. And so the wife is not responsible for what he does, but she can unwittingly complicate what is happening to him, even motivating him to continue in his passivity. Discerning a spouse's tendencies and strategizing how to serve each other, those are gifts from God. I wrote an article recently about a unique wife helping a unique man, understanding him and and leading him through some of his problems, guiding him, discipling him. Those are wonderful gifts from God. When either spouse, the husband serving the wife, the wife serving the husband, when they are cooperating like that, even though they are not the cause of those pre-existing shaping influences that they brought into the marriage, marriage, and they're not responsible for each other's individualized sinning. But they don't want to complicate matters. They don't want to pile on. No, they want to come alongside their spouses and help them to mature into a Christ-likeness. And so this is episode 466, and I have titled it, How Wives Motivate Husbands into Passivity. Someone asked, how do you help a passive husband take the leadership role in the marriage? Now, that is a common question that we receive at this ministry. I would say that at least the top three problems that men, that husbands have, one of those problems is passivity. Anger would be another, and lust would be a third. But passivity is such a common iteration for husbands, uh, particularly husbands, uh, within the marriage construct. And there are many angles to this problem. 
And my concern here is, is that the straightforward impulse is to admonish the husband. Dova, get off your blooming rear end. And so you just admonish him and you let him know how he must get over himself. Now, perhaps that is appropriate in some situations, but in this episode, I want to address it with a bit more sophistication and a skosh of nuance. And so I'm going to begin by sharing with you two specific personality types in Biff and Mabel's marriage. Biff is the insecure husband, and Mabel is the secure wife. Now, I will paint the scenario here in just a moment. But again, it's important for us to understand as biblical counselors, and I see this so often within the biblical counseling movement, is that we give we give obvious advice, we give cliche advice, we give shallow advice without looking at the depth, the contour of what might be going on. And so this episode, number 466, titled How Wives Can Motivate Their Husbands Into Passivity, I do want to bring some sophistication to it because everything is not just as it appears on the surface. Sometimes things need a little more insight. And so we're talking about the passive husband and the secure wife and the wife's responsibility to come alongside her husband as a mature Christ image bearer to help him to get through, get over, to overcome, to repent of his passivity. And so let's take a look at Biff initially. He grew up in an unstructured, non-nurturing environment. His childhood home life was dysfunctional, though that is an understated way of describing what happened to him during those years. It was also not a Christian environment, so he didn't have Christian moorings to anchor him deeply into biblical thinking. Thus, there was no worldview, no lens, no way to interpret the life that was before him. Thus, the pathway that he went down was not a practicalized Christian pathway. And so without the Christian moorings, fear had chained Biff, keeping him from the anchoring that God provides. Biff never became comfortable in his own skin, but what he did is he masked his inward fears with his outward strengths, iterating a self-reliant mindset. So if you knew him from a distance, you would think that Biff is an okay dude. You see, it's important that we understand how self-reliance or self-sufficiency, how it works in our lives. If we have an inadequacy or an insecurity, because of our Adamic shame, there will be a temptation to mask that insecurity or inadequacy. We, we put on fig leaves so that people can cannot see that, our inadequacy, and then we use our strengths, whatever they are, to present ourselves as something that we are really not. And so self-sufficiency gives us an image that we want to portray to the public. And so it's something that we can do well. We are working within our strengths. And so everybody sees that 
And nobody is really aware that behind that facade of self-sufficiency of an individual working within his own strengths is an insecure little boy uh, who has been captured by fear without the moorings of Christ and not anchored by God. And of course, Biff, he could keep folks at arm's length. And so nobody could get up in his business. And so it was a perfect world for Biff. He was relationally functional in the public domain, working within his strengths, but not relationally close to anyone and not known by anyone. And so people liked Biff. And so he could perform well at his job. Again, he always worked within his strengths. And that fed his people-pleasing personality. And so he would work hard in the public domain, and people would love him and applaud him and give him accolades. And so he could feed his desire for love and acceptance and respect. And he could manage the situation because he was working within his own strengths, all the while hiding himself in plain sight. Nobody ever perceived how insecure he was. Nobody ever really knew Biff. He was a public persona, but an insecure private little boy. And he kept that dichotomy operative all the days of his young and early adult life. And then there's Mabel. She didn't grow up this way. God gifted her with a different personality type. She was socially active. She was relationally competent. She had a relational fluency about her that, that just it was just natural for her to engage others and to be comfortable in her own skin. She could be comfortable alone. She could be com- comfortable in the public spaces. And to make matters even better, she was reared in a loving environment. There was no deficit in her soul. Like Biff, who came into the world fallen and depraved, and his parents just began to claw away anything that he had that, that brought any kind of, of order to his life. No, Mabel came into this world, and she had Adamic fallenness, but her parents nurtured her and loved her and gave her security and love, this loving environment. And so she never strived. She didn't have to strive to be liked, to be loved, to be accepted by others. Her parents reared her how a child should live. It's a normal childhood. And so she meets her future husband, Insecure Biff. Of course, she meets him in the public space. And so he is funny. He is charming. He is dynamic. He is working within his own strengths. A little bit handsome. And so that's okay, too. And so that makes him, at least from a public perspective, marriage material. And dating was perfect for Biff because of the daily dating was perfect for Biff because of the daily reboot, never having to reveal his whole self because, well, Biff and Mabel did not live together. Of course, Biff did not factor in the two centers in a box uh, disorder, maybe. The two centers in a box worldview. When when a boy and a girl come together and get married and then they live in a home, now it's two centers in a box with no exit strategy. Well, that came with marriage. 
where he could not keep Mabel at arm's length anymore. Guess what? He woke up the next day, and there she was. And she was there during the day and all night long and the next day too, day in, day out, week in, week out. She was not only in his bubble 24-7, but Biff had no exit strategy, creating an unwanted relational tension. He felt exposed. He felt vulnerable. And it didn't help that she was so different from him, active, social, outgoing. Biff would compare himself to her, and he would realize that he could not do what she did. He could not be like her, and he cannot get away from her. He was intimidated by Mabel. She was engaging. She was flexible. She was social. She was free, exploring, and enjoying life. Biff was inward Rigid, distant, measured, cautious, cynical. Biff wants to impress Mabel, but feels inadequate. And so he becomes more reclusive. This is how he has always responded. Always keeping people at arm's length. And if they got too close, if it became too uh, competitive, uh, he would take the path of least resistance, keeping him from vulnerability from exposure, from failing, from reality. Biff became more passive when challenged. He shuts down. Of course, Mabel is expecting him to step up. That's what she would do. But Biff gravitates to his old self. I mean, he's been doing this for almost three decades now, and those habits have brought him safe thus far. Mabel gravitates toward her old habits the way that she has been shaped, exploring, energetic, enjoying life. Biff and Mabel, two sinners in a box, now realize that they are polar opposites. Mabel, in actuality, was dating Biff's representative. She was dating that person that Biff put out in the public space, and she fell in love with Biff's representative. I mean, he was humorous. He was charming. He was winsome. He was fun to be with for a minute. But now the two sinners are in a box, and the representative is gone, and she sees how he is, that old former manner of living that he has brought into his Christian experience is a manner of living that is afraid, that is insecure, and reverts to introversion and shyness and distance. And then if you push him too hard, he will get angry because you're pushing him outside of his ability to control the situation. So Mabel does not perceive the kind of person that he has always been. And to make matters worse, she becomes critical of his passivity. Why are you so reclusive? Why are you so introverted? Why do you isolate? Why do you not want to go out? Why do you not want to socialize? Why do you not want to be part of the men's group at the local church? And she lets him know in different ways about her disappointment in him, exacerbating the alienation he already senses in his soul. And to complicate matters, Biff turns to bad habits to make himself feel better. And now he is developing a secret life, a way of escape, a way of finding relief, which only intensifies the bondage 
while his wife fuels the inward war that is going on in his mind. Now, let me restate again. I am not absolutely 100% placing blame for his actions on Mabel. And I trust that you can see how this analysis, it examines how two people can work against each other while never realizing that they are so close, but yet so far from restoration. So if Mabel wants to be part of God's restoration team, then the first thing that Mabel must do is to recognize what is happening to Biff? Not to guilt herself, not to shame herself, not to blame herself for what has happened to Biff or what Biff is doing. Because Biff brought all this into their marriage. This is who she married. Now, she didn't know it. Again, she was dating Biff's representative, not the real true Biff, 24-7 Biff. That's not her fault. And so she's not to blame for it. But if she wants to come alongside Biff as a loving wife, as a, a co-equal image bearer in God, then the first thing that she has to do is she has to recognize, wait a minute, I need to back up for just a moment. And I, I need to examine this man to see exactly what is going on here, including understanding his shaping influences and how he has always lived his life in a dichotomy of public and private and why he has always done that and why he resists, if you try to push him, he will actually become more and more passive because he is not going to get out of that boat and walk on water. That is a, that is a bridge too far. And so again, she's not taking the blame for how she is, for how he is, but she has to understand his long-standing shaping influences. And she has to guard against adapt, adapting her experience, her expectations, even her personality around Bill, as though he should iterate that way. We can do that sometimes. I, I mean, one of the most common ways of becoming impatient with someone is getting frustrated with them or impatient with them because they are not doing something that we do well. We have a tendency of picking the thing that we actually succeed in, and we can map that over other people who just aren't wired that way. They can't do it as well as we can. It's not their strength, it's ours. And so Mabel will have to guard against mapping her experience, her expectations, and even her personality over Biff. Mabel will have to ask herself what it means to adopt the mind of Christ by counting her entrapped husband is more significant than her, hoping to be part of God's restoration team. Now, if she determines to be Jesus to him, then I want to share with you six things for her to think about, for her to consider, and maybe implement into her marriage. Later on, when I get to the call to action part of this episode, I will ask Mabel, maybe ask you to rank these things in order of priority or in order of appropriateness, what applies to your particular situation, especially if you have a passive husband. So these aren't in any ranking order, 
but I will ask you to rank them according to your situation. All right, so here's six things for her to implement in her marriage. Number one, impetus. The impetus is on Mabel to discern the problem because she is the more spiritually mature one. She is more in tune with God. She is more insightful. And she is more proactive when it comes to problem solving. In short, she has what it takes to lead her husband to be a more effective leader. You can say this honestly. You're more spiritual than, in this case, you're more spiritual than your husband. Children can say that of their parents. There are some children who are more spiritual, more mature than their parents. You can say that without an air of self-righteousness. I mean, you wouldn't put it on, on a bumper sticker. You wouldn't put it on your rear window of your car. You wouldn't tweet it out or make a meme but if it's a factual statement, it's a factual statement. And so you can deal with it with integrity and honesty, with forthrightness, and just say, Mabel is more mature than Biff at this point in their relationship. Therefore, the impetus is on Mabel to discern the problem because God has given her more insight, more proactivity, more problem-solving ability, more willpower to step into this. She's not inhibited by the fear of man. Uh, she's not managed by whether Bill, Biff likes, loves, respects, approves, accepts her. And so she's not controlled by those things. She's more controlled by what God thinks about her. And so operating under the management of his opinion of her, she can step into this marriage and the impetus is on her. I mean, she can actually do something about it because she's in a better position to do so. Number two, maturity. I've touched on it, but I wanted to draw it out and give it its own category. Therefore, because the impetus is on her, Mabel must be the mature one in the marriage, evidenced by her discipling her husband to be her leader. Yes, I said that right. She should be discipling her husband to be her leader because she is co-equal with him as well as submitted to him. She can disciple him because she's co-equal. Co-equal as in brother and sister and submitted as in husband and wife. There's not a contradiction here. What's in view here as far as maturity is concerned is her co-equality. And so because the impetus is on her and she has the biblical Christian maturity to do something about it, she should not negate herself. To She shouldn't fall into the leader's submission trap. That is a role that she can continue to maintain with integrity, but she's also co-equal with Biff at the exact same time and so what's in view here is her co-equality, and because she is mature, more mature than Biff, the impetus is on her to disciple him. Number three, leadership. These things are naturally rolling out one from the other. Impetus is on her. She has the maturity. Number three, she needs to lead. A, hus a, a wife humbly guiding her husband while submitted to him is not an unusual perspective or posture. Think about this. A mentor, let's say Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle is a mentor to, let's say, Timothy, 
young Timothy. And so Paul is mentoring young Timothy to be an excellent pastor. It's not out of the realm of possibility for Timothy to be Paul's pastor. Timothy can pastor Paul. Paul can submit to Timothy, and Paul can also mentor Timothy. There are a few churches that I have been in where this, the longstanding senior pastor has stepped down from that role and became a church member while the new guy came in and began to lead the church. And then the former pastor mentors the new guy while submitted to him. And so he can humbly guide the new guy and stay submitted to him at the same time. This is not an unusual perspective or posture. By the way, employees can do that as well. I trust that if you are an employee, that if you have the maturity, uh, that you would counsel your employer as needed, provide guidance, provide insight, provide care for your employer while submitted to him. And same thing in a marriage. By the way, children should do this also. So number three is leadership. A wife can humbly guide and lead her husband while submitted to him. Number four, practice. Mabel's practice, what should it be? Where there's two keys for Mabel to practice, to implement into her own life. One is modeling the gospel. She should emulate Christ's characteristics. Christ's characteristics, you can find a list in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Spirit. There's nine pictures there, and you could say all of those represent an aspect of Christ. Well, she can emulate the fruit of the Spirit. She would be emulating Christ. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love is, love is not. That whole list there, there's two portraits there in Galatians and 1 Corinthians of what it looks like to model Christ. And this is what Mabel should, this, is, this should be part of her practice. By the way, if this is part of her practice, love is kind, love is patient, and so forth. If it's part of her practice, then she will be able to lead him well because she's doing it just like Christ would. And the second part of her practice should be that she should be encouraging him by grace, motivating him by grace, not being punitive, not being unkind, not being critical, not being nag nagging, not admonishing him because he won't get up and get going. Now, maybe she has to confront him that way. I'm not saying that that's out of the realm of possibility, but I'm also adding, again, a little more sophistication and a little more nuance to this rather than just yelling at someone to get going and stop being so passive. No, we, we have a responsibility as well if we're going to be part of God's restoration team. And so two aspects of her practice will be to emulate Christ and to encourage her husband, and as she understands him, she will be willing to do that. And then number five is to assess. She assess herself. A lot of this has been about assessing Biff and what's wrong with him and how he got to where he is. And all of that is part of the assessment process. But Mabel needs to assess herself as well. And two critical questions for Mabel to examine her life. Are you a good Christian example to your husband? Would you find it a little bit ironic if you weren't acting like Christ, but you're asking your husband to act like Christ? 
And so we want to soberly self-assess ourselves. Am I a good example as I'm asking him to be a good example? And then the second is, are you an encouraging wife? And those would be two assessment questions. By the way, they flow out of the previous uh, point number four. Point number four was practice. You remember? There are two aspects of practicing, modeling Christ and encouraging her husband. Point number five, let's assess yourself. Are you a good Christian example? Are you modeling Christ? Are you encouraging your husband? Are you an encouraging wife? And then number six, the last thing that, that Mabel can take a look at as she tries to come alongside her insecure, passive husband is repentance. Even when she fails at leading her husband, and she will because she is just like me, and she's just like you, she's not going to do it perfectly. Well, guess what? We have, we have a solution. Christians are the only people in the world that can repent. We're not under the judgment of God. We're not under the wrath of God, but we are under his grace. And when we sin, we confess that sin, and he cleanses us of that sin and puts us back on the path of righteousness. Mabel's not going to do this perfectly, and that's why repentance has to be part of one of these six things that I'm listing out for you. Mabel can confess that sin. It's one of the most effective ways that she can lead him. It's one of the most effective ways any of us can lead anybody by our humility. When we recognize and acknowledge that we made a mistake, we confess that, we own it. That is a leadership strength that anybody can, any Christian can implement. And so Mabel's not going to do all of these things perfectly. She's going to fail at it. That's okay. She can repent. And God will bless her for doing this because he gives empowering favor to the humble. And so if Mabel wants to be part of God's restoration team, here are six things for her to consider. The impetus is on her. She has the maturity uh, in the uh, marriage. Therefore, she begins to lead. Number four, she practices specific things, modeling Christ, encouraging her husband. Number five, she will assess herself to see how well she is doing in those critical areas. And then number six, if there is failure, she can always repent and get back on the track. This is episode 466, How Wives Motivate Husbands into Passivity, and we don't want to do that. All right, so let me ask a few questions, and we'll wrap up. Number one, have you considered how your strengths can intimidate your spouse, even demotivating him from stepping up to lead? This is a huge question. Some wives have strengths, and some husbands are insecure. And when those two things come together, if there is not enough awareness and communication about this, that husband can secretly, privately, silently start taking a back seat because he can't compete. He he can't he doesn't know he doesn't have a way of of engaging that. And so rather than engaging that, he just backs up. Have you ever considered how your strengths can in intimidate your spouse, even demotivating him from stepping up to lead? Now again, I'm not blaming you. This is the third time I've said that. But it can be a complicating factor. Number two, do you recognize the temptation not to try at all rather than try and fail? See, this is what Biff was doing. Biff would only work within his strengths. 
and his strengths were clearly defined. I will be amazing in the public space for a short period, and I can operate within that box. That is my self-reliant box. And if I if I'm pushed outside of that box, then I'm not going to try. And so if you're asking me to be wonderful, if you're asking me to be charismatic, if you're asking me to be social and, a, and relational and intrusive in people's lives and, and, and just have that, that relational fluency that Mabel has, if you're asking me to do that, the question is, do you recognize the temptation not to try at all? rather than try and fail. You see, I can't fail. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to be rejected, made fun of, or mocked because that's how I was reared all of my life. And so it's just better for me not to try than to try and fail. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of criticism, it fosters passivity. Number three, how well do you understand the self-reliant construct? How well do you understand self-sufficiency? Do you realize that some people will, will reduce their world to virtually nothing so that they can be self-reliant? You can be omnicompetent once you find out what you can absolutely control. And for some people, they have to whittle their world down to such a small degree before they can ever be self-reliant. Biff was wonderful and amazing in his self-reliant world. God sent Mabel along to blow up his self-reliant construct and push him outside of his box, off the boat, walking on water. And, of course, that was the problem. Some folks will whittle their world down. And it is important to understand why that happens, what is going on. And the, up, the, the upshot of it is, is that Biff has to manage his world. He has to be in control because he's afraid of not being, of being out of control. Number four, what would, be, what would being on God's restoration team look like for you as you come alongside your husband to mature him? And so that's a question to stop on, to focus on. What would it take for you to do that? And then finally, number five, how would you order the six things that Mabel must do, starting with impetus and closing out with repentance what would be the biggest challenge to you and what would be the least and what is your game plan to make a difference in your husband's life this is episode 466 how wives motivate husbands into passivity thank you so much and god bless thanks for joining us learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com